Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Stevenson, and today I talked to James Clifford from hgvtraining.co.uk because I've often thought about getting my horse box license, and I don't know the difference between a three and a half ton, a seven and a half ton, and what does my license mean right now? I don't know if I'm able to drive a trailer, what size trailer, and is it safe really to be driving a trailer with a horse, or would you be better with a horse box? So he gives us information on how to get your horse box license and what the process is. This is Horse Hour. This is something that's a minefield that we are always thinking about. We hear a lot about horse boxes and about trailers. And some people say they should have a trailer. Some people say they should have a horse box. And others say, well, I need to get my license. What sort of license do I really need? And then how do I go and get my license? So I'd like to introduce you to James Clifford, who's the director of hgvtraining.co.uk. And you're going to answer all our questions, aren't you, James? Correct. Anything you want to ask, go for it. Well, I really, really desperately want my horse box license. And the reason I want a horse box license rather than a horse trailer license is for me, although I'm a small little thing driving a big lorry, I think I'd feel a little bit safer in a horse box. Yeah, I think that people are a bit intimidated about about a trailer, the idea of having a trailer behind you because it moves independently, as it were, of the car or the 4x4 or whatever you're, you're pulling. So it's probably easier to drive a smaller horse box than it is uh, a trailer, but actually uh, some people have completely opposite view. Just in terms of, you know, there's obviously practicalities behind it as well as to, uh, as to how large a vehicle you want to drive. If you just want to drive one horse, then a trailer or a smaller horse box would be equally suitable. If you want to drive more than, carry more than one horse, then it's different. You're going to need an HGV license. So I think it's about understanding what the different types are and, and what your requirements are for that. Yeah, and then the, on top of that then, there's a, the bigger lorries. You've got the three and a half ton, you've got the six and a half ton, you've got the seven ton. And then it's what are we allowed to drive at the moment? Because some people are allowed to drive already. They're allowed to pull a trailer. And other people, because their licenses apparently already say without doing the test, I don't know, was it something in, was it like 1990s if you passed your test then? So I, I think the, the first and most important thing you, you can ask yourself is what sort of license do I have? Do I have something? Uh, it's called acquired rights, but in the in the trade it's called grandfather rights or grandmother rights or whatever you want to call it. But, but really, what it is is that if you've got your license, your car license pre 1997, 
you will have a lot of different categories already on your license. Mm. And the best way of checking is by looking at the back of the plastic part, your, your plastic driving license, and seeing whether you've got valid from dates on lots of different categories. And the ones that I guess will be relevant for, for people who are looking to transport horses is the C1 category and the B plus E category. And just to explain those two, the C1 category is between three and a half and seven and a half tons. Oh, wow. And that's a small HGV. That's a small, small lorry license. And the other one is B plus C is your is the legal right to, to carry a trailer. Now, mm. both of those are acquired rights for those who got their driving license before 1997, which means that actually you can do this without having any further tests whatsoever. Ah. You might not feel comfortable doing that, but actually it's your legal right to do so. And I guess this is the important point, providing it's not for reward or gain. So providing it's a hobby. Oh, really? So you can't, you can't basically say that you can transport other horses and Correct. get paid for it? Correct. As long as you're just doing it as a hobby, then you can use your C1 entitlement, which is the uh, three and a half to seven and a half ton, or you can use your B plus E entitlement, which is your entitlement to, to, to tow a trailer without any further training whatsoever, up to 1997. And as I said, there, there are some ex- exceptions there, so you really should look at the reverse of your driving license. And if you've got the entitlement, it will say a valid from date on your driving license mm. for the C1 category and the B plus E category. The former being a small van, a small lorry, and the latter being uh, a trailer. Okay, so then let's say that you've got that license already, but then you've got the, it says you can drive a three and a half ton, but that doesn't include the weight of the horse in it as well, does it? Um, So that's unladen weight. So that means without a horse, you can drive up to three and a half ton. Seven and a half ton, between three and a half to seven and a half ton. Over seven and a half ton is when you're looking at what's called a rigid HGV license. And everybody needs to do the same test for that. Okay. So you don't have to worry about how heavy your horse is when it comes to deciding what license that you need. It's the the unladen weight, which is the provision on the driving license, not the laden weight. And horses aren't heavy enough for anybody to have to worry about will the horses push them over into the next category. That's really interesting because that's always been in the back of my mind because mine I'm uh, uh, so I'm not that young I'm 31 but I'm young enough to not have the automatic license yes. so it means that I've now got to go and, and come with you I've got to go to you and go yeah. get a driving license so then I'm looking at which categories and which license I'd like to get yeah. and I and I initially I thought I'd love a 3.5 three and a half what because you know it's a small little van my horse will fit in it by himself he's a 16 hand Frisian actually it might be a little bit too small but that was my initial my initial thinking was a three and a half but then I thought he's going to be too heavy for me to just get a three and a half ton license I'm going to have to go one step up no it's not it's not the line is not three and a half it's three and a half to seven and a half tons Mm. is is the is the provision under the c1 license and that is an unladen weight so you do not need to worry about the weight of the horse or calculate the weight of the horse to decide which license you have it it defines the vehicle type so really, your C1 license, if, which is what you're talking about for a, smaller, for a smaller lorry, defines what the vehicle is, not what it's carrying, really. You're going to have to do a hell of a job to break the, the laden weight restrictions on a C1 license. And a horse is not going to do that. 
So let's then take the three different licenses because, sure. you know, we're not going to be taking six horses at a time, I don't think, to a show. We might have one or a couple. Let's just take that. Sure. So we'll start with the trailer license. Yeah. If I wanted to come to you and get my trailer license, yeah. what sort of prices would we be looking at? You'd be looking, so the trailer license, the B plus E license, as I said, pre-1997, you don't need to come to us at all. Mm. You've already got it on your license. If you do need it, it's a three-day course with a test at the end of the course, and we charge 999 for that. And that's for the full instruction and the test at the end of it. And is it the same price if somebody does have the license already, but they're yeah. just a little bit worried about driving their horse or trailering their horse because they haven't done it before? Can they come to you? Yeah, and- good question. And they can certainly come to us, uh, and we charge for, for four hours worth of training, we charge £400. Okay. for a day's worth of training. And what we do then is what's called refresher training. Yeah. If somebody's coming to us because they're a bit nervous about it, then actually they would come to us. We would do a day's worth of training. And if we said, actually, not that convinced you should be, you should be telling a horse livestock at this point, then maybe we'd recommend some more training. Because there's so much we need to think about when we talk about transporting our horses. It's not just about driving. We could have driven for years, but when you've got the livestock, I remember being in a lorry, I got somebody to transport my horse for me because I don't have a license. And even like coming to the roundabout, he was like, I don't want to brake too hard. I don't want to stop if I don't have to because it will have more impact on the horse in the back. So if I can just kind of keep chugging away round the roundabout, it's safer, things like that. I mean, I would definitely say that irrespective of whether you've got these acquired rights, because you're carrying a live animal, you're transporting a live animal, there is a hell of a lot more to think about than somebody who's, let's say, transporting a sofa. And as a result, it's probably, unless you are very confident of your abilities, it's probably it's recommended that you do at least a day's training, just so you get the advice of somebody else to say, am I doing this okay? Will it be okay for the horse? And, and really, you, you, want to be, you want to be safe rather than sorry. It's a very different proposition, a sofa to a horse. So let's look at the three days then for the trailer license. Do we, is there anything that we can do to kind of help us on the way? Is there any preparing that we can do? Anything that we can read up on? Like, do you have to do a theory test? There's no theory test for the B plus E. It is just straight three days worth of practical training. Well, I say three days. It's about 10 hours worth of practical training with a test at the end, straight at the end. So it's a 12 hour course. There's nothing really you can do unless you haven't driven a car for a while. Mm. Because really, the two main issues when you have a trailer is reversing, mm-hmm. which is obviously a lot more complicated when you've got a trailer, and also going around the corner. You can't go around the corner too quickly because actually the trailer ends up jackknifing and you end up in a lot of problems. So you just have to be much, much steadier and more careful when going around corners. And reversing requires a lot more thought than just standard reversing. Mm. But if you haven't driven for a while, drive for a couple of days beforehand just to get yourself familiar with with driving practice your reversing round corners all those things that you did when you were 17 or 18 and passed your car test you'll have to do again because you'll have to do it with a trailer and actually 50 percent of the people who will be probably more who are asked to a car test now would fail yes so in fact do those maneuvers you know think about parallel parking parking into a space reversing round the corner all those things now that you kind of take for granted and probably do a bit wrong, you'll have to do right for the test. <gasps> well, are you, you parallel park with a trailer? Yes, you can't go into a space forward, can you? No, but I just never thought of that. I just thought you just kind of rocked up and the trailer was behind no. you. I couldn't even imagine trying to parallel park. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And that's probably why, that's probably why, well, it's why acquired rights are taken away. 
it was a bit ambitious. The, the UK were a bit ambitious in the skills of its drivers back in the 80s and 90s and felt that they could just give all these rights to a driver mm. once they got a car license. Uh, and actually part of, uh, you know, and it, it was understood that actually accidents were happening. Oh. And that people weren't as proficient at driving larger vehicles and more complicated vehicles um, as they thought. There was a sort of arrogance of a British driver that once you've driven a car for a few years, taking a caravan is no problem at all. Mm. It's not so easy, especially when you've got you know, a horse at the back. Well, we've seen the accidents. Exactly, exactly. So, so this is a very good regulation. And it just said it wasn't, it wasn't rolled back to everybody but from 1997. They said, you want to drive something more complicated, you need to take a test. Mm. Okay, so then moving on to the next stage up. So say you wanted a small horse box. Yes. Um, so the next uh, level is, is called a category C1. And this is a uh, truck between three and a half and seven and a half tons, mm-hmm. uh, unladen weight, sort of like, it's called a loose, some people call it a Luton van. Uh, it's that sort of size. It's smaller than a truck and it's larger than a van. And these vans are, uh, and this is your smaller, smaller horse box. Yeah. License would come under that. Um, that actually, interestingly, the test, the training and the test, and everything you need is no different for a C1 license as it would be for a false category C license. Oh. So you still need a 20-hour course, which is run over five days, with a test of, which is with a test of the fifth day. You need to have a medical. Really? Just take, just take you through the full process. Yes, so really, if you want to uh, drive a uh, horse box, uh, which you're not towing, first you need to do is you need to get a driver's medical. You need to make sure that you are, a doctor needs to ask you a number of questions and then sign a form mm-hmm. saying that you've answered these questions. This gets sent off to the DVLA along with an application for a provisional entitlement and they will come back and tell you whether you're medically fit to drive uh, a C1, which is a three and a half, seven and a half ton, or a larger than seven and a half ton, a, a rigid license, a C license. Once you get your driving license back from the DVLA, you'll then have a provisional entitlement. Okay. So that's just like when you first pass your test. When you first learn to drive when you're 16, exactly. you get a provisional and then you go on and take your actual test. The, the difference with larger vehicles is you can't get your provisional license until you've been assessed fit to drive. Right. Once you've got that, you then have to book yourself in for a theory test. And so your theory test, which is now called module one, yeah. is uh, 100 questions, uh, multiple choice and also a hazard perception test, uh, which is where you see a number of different hazards come in front of you and you need to click on the screen uh, to, to, to say where the hazards come. You have to pass both of those and these are adapted for, for, uh, for trucks, okay. for driving trucks. So Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. More difficult, and there are more questions than uh, than for your car license. Right. Sounds very technical. Because I'm thinking now, I didn't even do a hazard perception test when I was, did my first original driving test. No, and actually, when I did my driving test, it was just uh, a lever arch folder that the driving instructor had, and we just went through a couple of road signs. Yeah. It just got right. So things have changed a lot. You know, it's not that difficult. And actually, the training that it used to be which is where you used to get this big sort of manual, highway code manual, which you then had to flick through. Mm. Now it's all done online. So, mm. so there's online training that you have. You get a login for an online training. All the questions get fired at you in sort of in piecemeal chunks. You get mock tests. There's mock hazard perception tests. So really, the pass rate, the theory test, has gone up a great deal since this was all introduced as part of the training program. Oh, good. And ultimately, it makes us safer. So we'd rather have it. Exactly, exactly. So, so you do the, once you pass your theory test, you're then able to do the practical training. And the practical training is 20 hours um, over five days with a test at the end of the fifth day. Actually, 18 hours of practical training in the last two hours of your test. Uh, and that is a one and a half hour driving test in a truck. And so the C1 test mm-hmm. uh, is three and a half to seven and a half. It's the smaller trucks. And actually the category C test is in a seven and a half ton truck so that's a, a rigid vehicle it's one of the large trucks that you see mm. on the roads but it's not the ones where it actually it's on an access so it's not the massive ones the logistics ones okay and it's quite a tough test what what, how, what what makes it tough what do you mean tough i think that people find driving a large vehicle for one and a half hours under scrutiny quite tough mm. it takes quite a lot of concentration and actually it's more concentration than most people are used to doing on a, on a daily drive, let alone with an examiner sitting next to you assessing your every move. Yes. I think, I think that is quite tough. It's longer than a driving test. And technically, things like going around corners and in particular reversing is difficult. Let's, let's not, but it should be difficult. You don't want to be driving a large vehicle, which is a dangerous vehicle, unless you're safe to do so. Mm. So, but many people pass. I guess it changes then. It, it, it must change because you have instructors all over the UK. So I guess it must change depending on which area you're in. So the, the thought of driving a seven and a half truck along country lanes scares the life out of me. I know I've got to do it because most of the horse places that we want to go to are down country lanes. But equally, if I was then in London and learning yeah. to drive a seven and a half ton truck in London, that test is going to be difficult. I do know... In theory, all the tests should be testing the same things and so on and so forth. Practically speaking, there's no doubt that a rural test centre is going to have different demands to, uh, to a test centre in, 
in, in, in outer London. Mm. Uh, that's just the way it is. And in theory, once you pass the test, then actually, look, only 20% of, what you, of, of how to learn a truck is done during, up to the test. The other 80% is done with experience afterwards. And we all know that as drivers. Mm. But you only learn so much from a book or with an examiner or with a, your instructor next to you. And actually, what the, the real test and the real learning comes once you pass your test and you go out on the roads on your own. And there's no difference with a truck as well. So the first time you go down a rural lane, uh, you have to be really careful. You know how to drive the vehicle. You know how to indicate. You know how to go around the corner. But you still have to be very careful about what you're doing and the hazards that, that are presented in a, in a rural sort of surroundings. Ultimately, I think it, it could make us safer drivers. Does it help with your insurance if you've had these additional lessons and these adi- additional sections to your licence? Very good question. I don't know the answer. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I don't know the answer. Um, I can tell you that actually I've got my motorbike licence. Oh. And, uh, and so when I drive around London, actually I've got a moped. It's from a completely different perspective. And then when I drive a car... I'm a much better car driver because I drive a motorbike and have a different perspective. Mm. I had, would imagine it's exactly the same experience for people that have a truck license yes. um, who, then, who then go into a car. Your perspective is so different, in particular when you're driving a truck, about pedestrian safety and cycle safety. But once you become aware of these hazards and what they can see and what they can't see, you become such a better driver uh, in a car, which I think a lot of people take for granted all the time. Yeah. Whether that's affected in insurance, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Well, this is great, James. Thank you so much. I guess then that's pretty much it, isn't it? I think so. Well, actually, no, there's not. <laughs> there is a there is an additional examination. There's something called Module Two and Module Four. Module Two is another theory test called a case study theory test, and Module Four is called your initial CPC which is your Certificate of Professional Competence. There's a lot of confusion as to whether people who drive horse boxes uh, need to take their initial CPC qualification, which is the Module 2 and the Module 4. If you are driving at all for reward and gain, you must take your Module 2 and your Module 4, as well as taking your Theory Test Module 1 and your Driving Test Module 3. if you are doing it absolutely as a hobby with no intent to make money off it, you don't need to do the CPC qualifications. But you'll find that if you go to uh, driving centres, they'll often push that agenda forward about you needing to do a CPC as it being almost automatically put onto the course. Oh. If you are simply doing it as a hobby, you just need to take Module 1 and Module 3. If you've got any intention now or in the future of doing it for reward or gain, you'll need to take the CPC qualification as well. Um, CPC qualification, the theory test, is case study. You go back to the examination centre where you did your theory test, you do case study theory test. And then the module four is what's called a show and tell test, where you need to go around the vehicle and you need to demonstrate various knowledge about the vehicle in hand. So these are additional this is additional sort of uh, test that you need to be able to get what's called a driver's qualification card. So the Module 4 then isn't already current because I imagined that you would have to drive, go around the truck and say how to fix it or what, where things but go. The, it, the theory test includes some questions on this, mm-hmm. but the actual practical about securing loads, about looking for, you know, uh, and very especially actually about working time directive and all these other things which might be, which are professional questions, Right. All come to module two and module module four, 
and we've had a lot of questions that come into our company about whether they need to take this initial CPC. And we're very specific in asking, do you intend whatsoever? And there's a gray area about, you know, if you're entering a competition and there's financial reward in the competition, does this count as actually making money? Yeah. The answer is no. Oh, really? The answer is actually, if you enter, if you enter a competition, like a prize competition, yeah. which would be considered a hobby, yeah. and you've got some money from it, no. But if actually it was you were, you were going to a horse race, for yeah. example, then that would be for reward and gain. You're kidding. So it's quite complicated. And actually, I would always, you know, you really should talk to professionals about the CPC, the question of the CPC. It's not a straightforward answer as to whether you need it or not. If it's purely a hobby, if you just want to drive, you know, along the, if you want to ride, you know, just down rural roads and so on, at a weekend, you're not going to need a CPC. But if you're going to a competitive arena where you could get money if you win, then yeah. you need your CPC. Quite possibly. It's not, it's not 100%. If you go into a, a competition where it's just medals, for example, just for, then actually that's not the reward or gain, it's just for recognition. Okay. But if you're... But if you're taking a racehorse yeah. to a race as part of your company, as it were, that is a training, you know, a stables, then of course that is the rewarding game and you would need to get your CPC qualification. The driver would need their CPC qualification. So you almost have to make a value judgment. And if you're not sure, then speak to a professional body about it. Because actually it's a very technical question about, in particular, owning a horse and, uh, and, and, and having a horse box. Mm. But on the whole, if you know it's just for a hobby, you don't need it. There is a grey area in the middle, and then absolutely, if you're going to races and you've got a racehorse, then you will need a CPC to transport the horse. You've made me a little bit afraid to get a licence now. <laughs> you, shouldn't, you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be afraid at all. And actually, as we said earlier, if you've got acquired rights, it's still best if you go and have a, a, a day's training at the very least, mm -hmm. just to make sure you're confident in taking uh, you know, a live animal uh, in a vehicle. Are there still those rules, James, where, again, when I was transporting my horse ages ago, there was a rule that they could, the driver could only drive for a certain amount of time and then he needed a break. Is that the same if you're a hobby, you know, just right. using a box a hobby and, and not being paid to go anywhere? So, so this is called the Working Time Directive, the European Working Time Directive. Brexit might have something to say about this, to ditch this legislation. Uh, but for now, this is legislation for professional drivers. Right. So if you're a hobbyist, you don't need to worry about the working time directive. But just as an aside, nobody should be driving for more than four hours without taking a break, right. irrespective of whether the law tells you you, you must. Mm. It isn't safe. But what the working time directive is, it specifies the number of hours you can drive within a 24-hour period, and actually also when you have to take breaks. How is this regulated? Well, actually, it's something called a digital tachograph. So if you are driving commercially, you need to have a, a tachograph reader in your, in your vehicle and you have to essentially clock in and clock out as a driver. And this will then regulate and register mm. when you are taking breaks and whether you're keeping within the working time directive. Thank you so much. If anybody has any questions, they can just go to your website, hgvtraining.co.uk and send you an email. And, and the right. guys there are amazing. They're happy to answer any questions. Absolutely. And they'll be happy to sell you any courses as well. <laughs> I'm sure they would. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed, we might be doing more together. Um, because it would be great to do a video. I'd love to come and meet one of your instructors and actually show the process of, of the, well, one, the size of the vehicles, but also what it's like to drive a vehicle. Because, again, sure. it's, it's being afraid of the unknown. 
That's the first thing. Yep. And also knowing, you know, seeing somebody go through the experience of what it's like might make you think it's not something that I thought of or I'd be able to do before. But now, actually, I think I could go ahead and, and get my HGV license. Sure. Yeah, happy to have you. Thank yeah. you so much. Just one more question. I want to say, what's the difference between an LGV and a HGV? There is no difference between an HGV and an LGV. So HGV is the, is the British term, which is a heavy goods vehicle. Mm -hmm. LGV is the European term for an HGV, and it's a large goods vehicle. Large goods vehicle. They are exactly the same thing. Ah, okay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. So we no can problem. go on either course and we'll be fine. Absolutely. Um, can we follow you? Are you guys on Twitter? We are on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? HGV Training Team. So we can follow you at HGV Training Team. Are you on Facebook? Yeah. We are on Facebook, HGV Training. <laughs> and more importantly, uh, head to your website, hgvtraining.co.uk. And then you'll find the links to both our Twitter and our Facebook. Brilliant. It's been a pleasure, James. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can hear some really good guests over the next few months, including Stephanie Zebedee, who breeds Arab horses, but she's also a judge for the Horse of the Year show. So it'll be interesting to talk to her to see what are the rules of judging? What is it that she looks for? And also find out a little bit more about the Arab horses, what makes them tick, what are their personalities like? I also speak to Braveheart Therapy Centre, who are based over in the USA. They rescue Mustangs and then use them for therapy for soldiers, military personnel and, uh, and other people that might be needing a little bit of help. They're a lovely cause and they do some really great work. So I'm very excited to speak to Megan from Braveheart Therapy Centre. I also speak to the Pony Club official about kids and riding and how can you get your children into the Pony Club? What kind of thing will they be doing when they're there? They learn about horses, they learn about ponies, they learn about riding. But on top of that, it's a really good social experience for children. If you miss any episodes, don't worry, you can catch up with them on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk and there's loads of other information on there for you if you're looking for advice and maybe there's an issue with your horse at the moment you're not really sure what it is then take a look at our education hub i hope you have a lovely week and i'll speak to you soon you've been listening to horse hour join the community on twitter mondays 8 p.m uk time 3 p.m eastern by using the hashtag horse hour follow amy at amy stevenson one and subscribe to us on acast itunes stitcher and player fm deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.